All right, I, oh, that's loud. Okay. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Ellen Morris. Um, that's my husband right there, Gabe. We've been married for almost 27 years. Uh, we have seven children alive on earth and three in heaven, and I have two married daughter-in-laws that I love very much. I love my real kids, too. I love all my kids. That, but I do. <laughs> I also have four, we also have four grandkids and one more on the way, so our house is busy. Um, so it's been given to me the task of teaching you guys some how-tos when disciplining our kids. Huh. Just because I have this many kids doesn't mean I got it figured out, guys. So we're still learning this together. My youngest is still eight, so I'm still in that learning curve with all of you. Um, but tonight, I want to start with um, a focus on parents ourselves first. Um, there are two types of discipline. One, the first one comes straight out of Webster's Dictionary. Um, it's it says giving correction, instruction, and training in order to change an incorrect action. And that's a good definition. But that's not the definition I want to actually focus on tonight. Um, there's another one that I feel like God has given me, and uh, I think it's powerful. It's called, the, it's this, the daily implementation of a foundational truth that then becomes a necessary part of a lifestyle that changes the outcome of a goal. That's a big mouthful. Let me say it again. The daily implementation of a foundational truth that becomes a necessary part of a lifestyle that changes the outcome of a goal. We all know, we've been talking about this through these weeks, that um, the gospel is the foundation for everything we do. Um, the gospel gives us the reason for training our kids, you guys. Because we're not training kids to be culturally successful human adults. We're training kids to know, love, and follow Jesus with all their heart. So that's a way different add-on there. So just quickly, let me give us our foundational truth of the gospel. I love the gospel. Um, we are heaven-bound. If we are God's kids, we are heaven-bound because the work of Christ on the cross that redeemed us from eternal separation from our Creator God. Our spirits have been sealed, I love that word, and we're held in the palm of God's hands, never to be taken away. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians um, 1, 21 and 22, and it says, Paul is actually talking, he says, now is God who, make, who makes both you and me to stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's the gospel. Can't, can't change. God did it. It's a one-time thing. So salvation, basically, it's my sin given to God, God's righteousness given to me. So now, as parents, we have a foundation to stand on. Our second part that a lot of people talk about is the word sanctification. It's a great big word, which basically just means I get to align myself with God's help because we never do anything by ourselves. Line myself up with who God already sees me to be. God sees me to be righteous, an heir, a saint, perfect, holy, forever his child. All these things God already sees me to be. And on this earth now, what we get to do is continually realign ourselves with who God is. That's part of that parenting part that I want to talk about tonight. So as parents, we need to take some ownership because um, our culture stinks. Um, it no longer is even remotely driven by a Judeo-Christian culture. Our culture is in fact, exact opposite. We are, our culture is actively engaged in tearing down um, any good, godly, true values and um, what is truth, what is truth. And they've made it into now their own godless opinions. So we as parents have to fight against that more. Um, so we need to stand in this gap for our kids there's two things that I want to talk about that we need to do to implement, into, we need to implement into our own lives. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, and it's crazy. Like Pastor Fred talked about this a couple weeks. God gave me this verse about six weeks ago. So it's neat how God just works. He just works all things out. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and all the sin that so easily besets us, and let us run with perseverance. We heard that word this morning. The race marked out for us. Guys, that's our goal running that race, and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Raising kids to know, love, and follow Jesus in our culture and our world like that we live in today is hard. But guys, we get to be that cloud of witnesses. Don't think of just Old Testament heroes of faith that we can look to and say, wow, they follow God like this. I want to follow God like this. But we're that cloud of witnesses for our kids because they're looking to us and they're saying, I want to follow God like that. My mom did, like my dad, or I don't. And we want our kids to be able to say, I want to follow my mom and my dad like they're doing. I want to follow follow God like my parents did. So, that's kind of a big huh, right? But this is so cool, because in verse 3, I'm so glad God said this part, after, because he saw the joy before him, he scorned the shame, he endured the cross, then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Verse 3 says this, so that we wouldn't grow weary or or lose heart. Wow, that's cool. So we're not alone in this journey. So where do we start? Well, I don't know where we start, but this is a great two places of discipline. I'm not going to give you guys anything new. I'm not giving you guys anything you have not heard before, um, but I'm going to say it again because it's like Paul says, it's good for me to remind us all of the truth that God has in his word for us. So these two areas that we're going to talk about in this first section um, are powerful. They will radically change your life and they'll radically change your children's lives. How do I know this? Because these are two disciplines that my parents implemented into their own lives and it radically changed their life and because of that, radically changed me and my siblings. So number one, <laughs> pray. I know, wow, it's a big one. But, but listen, We need to pray, pray for ourselves. My dad actually, and you guys all have this on your table. (laughs) It's big, okay? It's four four sides. It's a prayer that my dad has prayed every morning for probably the last 20, 25 years. Um, And don't get overwhelmed when you look at it and go, I can't, I don't have that much time. It's okay. Take one of those things and pray for yourself about it. And then watch God change your life. And then watch God change your kids' lives. So pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Another thing that um, we need to pray for is our kids. Obviously, we pray for our kids. But way more than God keep them safe, which is good, or God help them to have a good day, which is good. But way more than that, God asks us to pray for our kids. We're their keepers, So he asks us to to talk to him about him. I have in your guys's, um, where you're writing in your answer thingies, there is a page in there, and it is how to pray for your, it's 16 things to pray for your kids. This is also something my dad did for all of us. I have two brothers and a sister. And my dad prayed this prayer since I've been probably 10. Okay, every day he prays this all of these things. Actually, there's 23 things now he prays. This was his original 16. Um, and I looked at that again. And I was like, oh, man, what am I? Oh, I'm not praying this for my kids. I need to do this. I was convicted. But then as I started looking through this, I realized every single one of these prayers that my dad prayed every single day for us has been answered. That blew me away. The that the, he, the, his prayers, his, that he took time to pray for us 
God's answered those prayers. That was powerful to me. So pray for your kids. I don't know if there's any grandparents in this room. I'm a granny. So I'm going to add this in. Pray for grandkids. Someday you'll probably have grandkids if time stands. Pray for your grandkids. Um, grandparents also have a big place in their grandkids' hearts and lives. That was, I, there's a prayer in the back of your page that my dad wrote for all of, my, all of our kids and all of my siblings' kids that he prayed for each one of them. And now my husband prays that for our kids, our grandkids. Those three things are really good. Pray for yourself, pray for your kids, pray for your grandkids, but don't stop there. Pray with your kids. Pray with your kids out loud. Don't just go into the closet and talk to God, but talk to God in front of your kids when it's hard, when it's scary, when it's difficult. Let your kids see the reality of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Pray with your kids. Something my dad did when I was a little girl all the way up till I left my home was he prayed with me every night. That was huge to me. I was so appreciative of that, and that was something that my dad gave to my husband when we got married. He said, pray with that woman every night. He does. He prays with me every, every single night. He prays with me. Sometimes I fall asleep. A lot of times I'll fall asleep. <laughs> but I still so appreciate the fact that my husband prays with me. Pray with your kids. But don't just pray with your kids. Teach your kids how to pray. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He taught them how to pray. Teach your kids how to pray. My, my dad gave me a prayer when I was mm, about 17, actually. I was a terrified person as a kid. Super shy, very introverted. Don't talk to nobody, okay? Because of some things I dealt with as a kid. I lived in a lot of fear. And my dad saw that in me. He said, well, we need, to we need to defeat this. So he gave me a prayer to pray. And he taught me that God does not give me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So I could refuse any of that untruth. God never gives me fear. He never gave me fear. So that came from the enemy. So he said, stand against it. I, I'm going to refuse that untrue thought. I'm not going to take that. It's not from God. I don't have to because I'm one of God's kids. I'm going to instead choose whatever is noble and true and right and pure and lovely. There's any good, anything good or virtue, virtuous in this. Think on these things. That's what God says. And then Dad taught me one more thing. He said, don't just pray for you. Resist Satan and stand in truth, but then overcome evil with good. He says, don't be overcome by evil, so overcome evil with good. So after I would pray that prayer of, that when I was afraid, nope, I resist that fear. That's not true. I choose to think right thoughts. Then I would pray for someone else every time. I probably prayed that specific prayer. There were some days I'd pray it 50 times in a day. And it went on for about a year until I knew I was free. I'm not afraid anymore. God has given me victory over fear. But it was because not only did my dad pray for himself or pray for me or pray with me, but he taught me how to pray. That's really, really important. Parents, pray with your kids. Don't be embarrassed, man. Talk to them about it. Talk to them, with them, to God. Teach them the words to say. We teach them everything else. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to pray. The prayers that my husband prays with our kids every night, teaching them how to pray for the lost, pray for the orphans and the widows, right? Those who are in need. My kids pray those. My little eight-year-old prays that prayer. God, be with the orphans and the widows, and may people come to know you all over the world. Where'd they get those words from? She didn't make that up out of her own head. She heard it from my husband, and she's learned to pray those things. So James 5.16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or does much good. That's a promise from Scripture, and we can bank on that. So pray. Second one, it's very simple too, yet 
hard, <laughs> just like prayer. Memorize scripture. Um, Jesus was talking to his disciples in, in John 14, 26, and he said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Notice that word remind. It doesn't say, I will randomly input truth into your head you formerly knew nothing about so that you can then go on and do good. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I will remind you. That means we need to do something. So we need to first do the work. It's part of running that race, doing the work of knowing and memorizing God's word first so that God can remind us of what he, already, of what he says is true. Psalms 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart. That's a necessary part of a lifestyle, guys, <laughs> so that I might not sin against you, which is the goal. How can God remind us not to sin when his words aren't in our hearts in the first place? So do it all different ways. It doesn't matter how you do it. Get it in your head. God will put it in your heart, I promise. So... Um, Make it a goal, make a plan, stick to it, okay? I know that's the hard part. And if you fail, it's okay. If you make no goal, you will hit it every time, zero. But if you make a goal and even hit half, you've got half more than you had before. So make a goal, make a plan, make a plan and stick to it. My dad, when he was first getting his life right with God, heard a sermon about a guy who says it memorized scripture. And my dad was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that. I gotta memorize scripture. And he said, I, I'll, I'll do one verse a month. So that's 12 verses in a year. It's not very many. One verse a month is not very much. But he was like, okay, I can do this. He did about half that first year. But he still got six verses, right? He still got some. <laughs> not the whole, but he got some. But during that time, God taught him a love for his word. And so he's like, whoa, I gotta teach my kids this. So when I was probably 10 or 11, um, my dad started memorizing scripture with us. And he thought, okay, we'll take one verse from every book of the Bible. My dad is very goal-oriented, so he likes plants. And so one verse from every book of the Bible, it's great. We'll have 66 verses. That's a lot. And I think we made it through Joshua. I at least can remember verses through Joshua. <laughs> and then we didn't after that. But we still got those verses. I still have God bring those verses back to my mind from when I was a little kid, okay? So it's powerful. Teach your kids to memorize scripture. My dad, for the last 25 years, in our family consecrations, it's a get-together that we do with my entire family every year, he makes scripture memory be really, really, really important, and he gives big rewards for scripture that is said to him during the week. And every year... I was like, yeah, I want to do that. All 25 of those years, I've memorized a chapter for that consecration. In most of the years, years, I taught one or more of my kids those chapters as well. And when I was doing it at the time, I'm like, yeah, this is great, you know? Dad gives great prizes. This is awesome. But now I see the benefit of it. The seeds that my dad planted in my life as a little girl have now matured and I love to memorize God's word. God's word is so powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It will help. It will not help. It will defeat our enemy every single time. But if we don't know it, it can't. So memorize God's word. As parents, memorize, do, do it with your kids. I have done since my kids were little. <laughs> I do this. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I draw pictures. I am not an artist, okay? I, 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 yeah, I'm not an artist. In any way, shape, or form, most of mine are stick figures, but they're pictures of the verses that, um, that we are memorizing. The first year I did it with my son, Ben, he was five, I think, and he actually couldn't hear till he was three, so... He was really behind speech-wise. In that first year, I said, I, I want to actually see if I can teach him 
Matthew chapter 6, 5. Matthew chapter 5. I have the pictures in the back. I've saved them. And so I drew all these little pictures on little three-by-five cards, and I gave him little hand motions. And by the end of summer, when our family consecration came, he could say, all, he said 16 verses, five years old. He said 16 verses to my dad. And that started him on a journey of memorizing scripture. We do this back in Summit Kids. You should ask your kids what they're memorizing. They love to say their verses. <laughs> they love to say their verses. And we do it, we're actually learning Psalms 103, the entire chapter. The kids have 14 verses memorized. It's powerful. I'm just putting it in their head. And they get cool little prizes. But God then takes what's in their head and he puts it in their heart. Super, super powerful, guys. Memorizing scripture is hard. But it is worth doing. Prayer is hard, but it's worth doing. It's hard work. It is. Do it. I, I promise you, because God promises this, when we pray, he answers. That's a promise. When we teach our kids how to pray, we're teaching them how to talk to the God of the universe. When we put his word in their minds, we're giving them a way to have God talk to them. Two things. Pray, memorize scripture. We're going to go right now to a, just a discussion. I've got, there's three questions that will be going up. You guys can just talk about those. I have no idea how long it just took. So however long, however long we need, we'll just, and I'll come back up in just a minute, okay? All right. 15 minutes. All right, there you go. All right. We'll get back into this. Heard some good discussion. That's great. Um, so wrap up from that first. Parents have two things that they can disciple themselves with, disciplines, okay? Pray and memorize scripture. So during the second section, we're going to kind of bounce forward and do, go into um, how to parent, maybe some different things with parenting for young kids. And then I'm going to talk for a few minutes at the end about parenting older kids. So if you just have little kids, Great, listen to the old kids part because the little kids will become big kids really fast. So, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from him, right? How many of you guys have ever just wanted God to give you a clear-cut, step-by-step method, right? For making this, all the parenting and intricacies, right? Making that, mirac that verse miraculously just come true. Yeah, I, I have. Yes, I have totally wanted that. Can I have that method? But I'm here to say, after raising seven kids and still raising, okay, that there is not one foolproof method that works for every child. I promise you, I have seven opposite children, so we get seven opposite methods <laughs> for, for this. Every method that's out there, every book written, there will be a child who will prove that method or that book does not work uh, for them, right? You've had that? Have you guys have experienced that? Like this book, no works, <laughs> throw it away, <laughs> right? Um, but don't, don't throw your hands up in despair. There is hope, you guys, because there are foundational truths that we can stand by. So as I was going through this second section and saying, God, what, what do you want me to say? Like, I have tw almost tw 27 years of parenting experience, some serious fail, <laughs> some God has worked through. But what do you want me to say? How, what do you want me to tell these people? Um, and as I thought about methods, you know, some people, oh, we, we spank, some people, oh, we Stand them in the corner. Oh, we, all these methods, right? There's billions of them. Um, I was like, I, I can't go down that road. I cannot tell you one of those things will work with all your children. Ba-da, trick. And here's the salt. No, it doesn't work like that. But there is a thread of continuity that popped out to me as I was thinking through all my different kids and the different methods we used with each one, there was a thread of continuity that popped out. And it's foundational truth that 
was that thread of continuity. So um, in dealing with our young children, God taught my husband and I, I'm just going to narrow it to four, because Chuck already said, I have way too much. And he said, there's no way you're going to get through this second section. And I'm going to prove him wrong. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> but there's four things that I'm, we're going to talk about tonight. Um, that helped my husband Gabe and I lead our kids in this area of discipline. So above all, it has to be Christ at the center. Because like I said, we are not raising um, culturally successful adults. We're raising adults to know, love, and follow Jesus with all their hearts. That's what, we're, that's what God has called us to do. So number one is compatible. What does that mean? Mom and dad need to be on the same page, okay? Children are amazing at identifying discrepancies and parental frustrations and totally monopolizing on that. Have you guys had that happen, or is it just my children? Oh, no, 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 no. They can so see it, and they will zero in and nail you to the wall. That's just how kids are. So... Um, Gabe and I had to come to some agreements on how we were going to discipline our kids. So I remember early on when our oldest, Caleb, was just a little, little guy. Um, we were, you know, in the throes of parenting, not had a clue what we were doing. And um, we realized that we were parenting our kids from either successes or failures of how we were raised, okay? Um, so... Gabe's family, actually both of our families came from the method of spanking, okay? But Gabe's family, like, beat the tar out of him, okay? And it was not a good thing. Uh, he was damaged by that. There was a lot of harm done. So my husband was like, way back up from that. We don't do that. I will talk to my kids. I will, you know, negotiate. We will do it a different way, but we will not spank, I came from a family of spanking, but my parents had really good boundaries on that. So I wasn't harmed at all. It was no big deal. But when I was little, my dad, before he got his life right with the Lord, he was very harsh. And his words harmed me when I was tiny. So my husband and I often found that we were doing the parent dance. Did you guys ever do that? You know, your kid's over here and one parent's trying to discipline him and the other person, no, no, no. Yes, okay, got some laughs. We did that. And it didn't work out very well, actually, at all. <laughs> and we had a come to Jesus moment when we realized we needed to get on the same page just for our children to survive us. Okay, we needed to, to, to do something different. So my husband and I fought it out. And I encourage you guys, as couples, you both come from different backgrounds. There's differences about you. Fight it out and get a plan. Get on the same page. It takes time. It's worth fighting over. These are one of the things you can fight about. It's okay. So go ahead and fight that out. Get on some common ground and make a plan together. Now I'm going to step right here just for a second and say, it's really not as important what is on that plan in the compatibility part as it is for you to back each other and what that plan is that you've de de defined for your family is, okay? That's more important here. So, this is how, why I say this, because there's a lot of parents, well, I'm the disciplinarian in the family, Everybody, you know, people hear that, right? Or I'm the one who, or, and my husband or my wife does. But God says in Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is the word that is awesome. For they are, will be a garland around your, over your, for your head and a pendant for your neck. It's parents together. It's not just daddy doing all the disciplining. It's not just mommy doing all the disciplining. It's parents together doing what God has called parents to do. So my husband and I made a game plan, and one was not to contradict each other in public, like in front of our kids. I was not always successful at that, but we have worked on that, haven't we? <laughs> um, but that was good for our kids to see, 
okay, if daddy says this, there it is. If mommy says this, there it is. So that was very, very important. It helped a lot. It helped me, as someone who would sometimes get ahead of things, to stop, step back for a second and say, hey, did you talk to daddy about that? Instead of just making a decision right there without dad's support. Another thing we did, and this may sound silly to people, but this is what we still do. You guys may see this. You will see this in church. Our children never sit between us, ever. Daddy and Mommy sit together. Kids sit on the outside. It was a visual for our kids to say, mm, Mommy and Daddy are together. We're not going to come between them. It was just a silly little thing that we did, but it matters, and it, it made sense to my kids. Another thing we did was when Gabe would come home from work, I, um, we always would be like, yay, daddy's home. That's just something we always did when the kids were little. It was great. Kids are all excited. A lot of times their little you know, faces are plastered to the front window. Dad walks in, but kids don't get the first hello. Mommy did. I got the first hello. I got the first how was your day, and I got the first kiss. Those are just things that we did and our family, for our kids, visuals for our kids, so that they could understand, mom and daddy, same page. We can't divide and conquer them. Um, when our children knew that we were together, it created a lot of peace in our home. Instead of that, running to this person, oh no, running to this person, uh, and then there's this, well, I said this, well, I said, uh, that creates chaos. <laughs> um, so be compatible. As parents, be compatible. Number two is consistency. And we all hear that word a lot, and I think sometimes hate it because oh, it's so hard <laughs> to be consistent. Um, but consistency is definitely key in parenting. Methods can change, guys. But having those foundational truths and being consistent with them never should. Never, ever should. Consistency in anything is so hard, but one thing that merits our hard work is the rearing of our children. Psalms 128.3 describes a consistent home this way, and I really love this. It says, you will be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house, and your children will be like olive plants all around your table. That's a really cool verse because... Olive trees are actually Israel's most sacred tree, and they live for thousands of years, and so, do our, so does our legacy, either good or bad. So be consistent in the raising of your kids. So be compatible. <laughs> Get on a game plan that works for your family, and it can look different family to family, but foundational truths never should look different if you're raising your kids the way God wants you to raise them. And then be consistent. Consistency does bear fruit and peace, the, the fruit of peace in our home. So don't give up. This is probably one of the, um, this quote that I'm going to give you actually was probably one of the most powerful quotes that I ever heard as a young mom. Um, it's by Susanna Wesley. <laughs> she had 19 kids, so really she should be the one up here talking. Not to me. I don't know how the woman did that. Whew, that's crazy. But she said this. She said, don't ever give up hope while training your children because the time you quit may very well have been the time they would have gotten it. That stuck with me. So when I wanted to give up with certain ones of my kids more than others, I would remember that. Don't quit. Don't quit. If I say it one more time, if I deal with this consistently one more time, this might be the time they get it. <clears throat> so, number one, compatible. Number two, consistent. Number three, this was important in our home. Compassion. Be compassionate. Compassion does not mean we sweep offenses under the rug or that sin has no consequence. It's, def it's not that at all. Com compassion is seeing past our children's sin, or more often than not, our own embarrassment of our children's incorrect behavior, and looking at our kids as God sees us. 
I have an example <laughs> from my son, Ben, who is here, <laughs> and he knows I'm going to say this, so he's all go with it. <laughs> um, ben was probably seven at the time. He was one of the ones that I needed to hear Susanna Wesley's voice in my head a little more than others of mine. Anyway, he, we were up north, and we went to a very very conservative church at the time, and they had a wana, uh, and so Ben was going to go up. It was end of year. He was going to get his award. He was so excited, and they had a guy up there, and they were doing tricks, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, he got up there, and this music went on that was just more bouncy, especially for our church. Okay, so, and, and Ben, being Ben, just kind of like, ooh, yeah, and did a little wiggle. And, um, and the auditorium was full of people. There was probably five, 600 people there. And um, he got a, oh, and Ben being Ben, loves to make people laugh. He took his wiggle to a whole new level and literally did a boogie dance right there on the front of that stage and was just having it down. And the people in the crowd just roared, right? There was this like, so, so funny. I'm standing in the back, also thinking it was hilarious. And I was holding, I think it was, I don't know, maybe it was Lise, okay, my one who always cried. I was holding her to keep her from crying. And this lady leaned over to me. I do not know if she actually knew Ben was my son or not, but she leaned over me and was so self-righteous, was like, whose son is that? I remember thinking, <laughs> Literally, the chuckle got caught in my throat, and embarrassment welled up in me at first. And then God intervened, because God is faithful to do that with imperfect parents. And a love for my son welled up in me way bigger. And so, I knew that Ben was just wanting to make people laugh. He loves to make people laugh. He still loves to make people laugh. It's a good quality. Um, and I was proud then to be a son. And I looked over this lady and smiled as sweetly as I could and said, mine. That shut her up <laughs> right there. And, you know, it was, it was a hilarious moment. And Ben and I got to talk about that afterwards. Um, I talked, I had a conversation of why he wanted to be on stage of our very conservative church dancing like that, and he said, I just want to make people laugh. And I'm like, you know what? That's just fine. Laughter is good. The Bible says laughter does good like a medicine, and I think probably our church needed it. So it was okay. It was good. But I was able to have compassion for my son. I was able to step back and see, see Benny and see his heart that day. Um, I was, look, I was able to look past an action that could have very easily made me angry. I could have been just really defensive and taking it out on my son because I was embarrassed, that kind of thing. Instead, God worked in my heart, which I was so grateful. And I was able to have compassion on my son. And I was able to see how God sees me. I'm pretty positive we do things that make God, makes God laugh at times, I'm sure. And oh boy, there they go again. But he has compassion on his people. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Psalms 103, 13 through 17 says this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we're formed and remembers that we're just dust. As for man, his days are like the grass and they flourish like a flower of the field and the wind blows over and it's gone. This place remembers it no more. Listen to this. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. God is good, and he's compassionate on his kids, with his kids. <laughs> so we have be compatible, be, what was our second one? I can't even remember it now because I already said it. What was it? Thank you. That one. That's probably the one I forget. <laughs> be consistent. Number three, be compassionate. Number four, be careful with your kids. How many of you parents have kids that are strong-willed? Yes. I got two of them. 
really big, strong-willed kids that, wow. But I'm going to actually talk about, since I already picked on Ben, I'm going to talk about my other one, <laughs> my Sophia. Um, she's now 12, an absolute joy to Gabe and I. But when she was little, I often felt overwhelmed by this child's extreme intensity. I'm a pretty strong person, but that kid had me be in the strong will department, hands down, every time. She, she was intense. <laughs> and so I often felt like we had so many things to work on with Sophia that it didn't matter which little step I stepped out on, it was like an explosion, and there was anger, and there was frustration. And I felt like I was always at war with this little tiny human, and I wasn't winning at all. <laughs> and so my husband and I prayed about it because we thought, what are we going to do with this child? I don't know. I'll just give her back. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, have you ever felt like that? I feel like that with her. I will take her back to the hospital and say, you gave me the wrong kid. I don't know. Just do something. It was hard. She was hard when she was little. But this is the thing. And I actually felt like, you know, I was trying to be stronger than her, right? And you be stronger, and then she, you be stronger. And I'm like, ah. So then I wanted to give up. But God gave me this verse, Isaiah 40. 10 and 11, it says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power. <laughs> and his arm rules for him. Those are two really strong words. See, his reward is with him. Did you know that we are God's reward? Did you know that your children are your reward? He said his reward is with him. His recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd, Total opposite, right, than this power, strong ruler. And he gathers the lambs in his arms, and he gently carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And we realized with Sophie that being stronger, acting out stronger, this, this would just cause her to <laughs> rise up and be stronger. Um, so we had to change some tactics. We knew that because God is a strong, he's a sovereign God, full of power. He's a strong ruler, yet he gently leads. He's both those things. So being careful with our kids didn't go, I have to be this or I have to be this, but it was both. One didn't usurp the other. So um, <clears throat> we had to change our tactics with Sophie. Otherwise, we just lived in a constant battle. Um, so... As we were working with Sophie, probably she was two and a half years old. Two and a half. She beat the tar out of me all the time. She's only this big. Oh. But at about two and a half, we decided we need to deal with her from a different perspective. We're not changing the foundational truth. We're not telling her, oh, you don't have to obey mommy and daddy. It doesn't matter anymore. We're not changing that foundational truth. But we dealt with her emotions before we ever dealt with her actions. That was mind-blowing for me. Because I wanted to deal with action. No, you, you, you can't scream at me when I say you can't have that. But we stepped back a little bit, and we dealt with emotions. So this is how we did it. When there was no confrontation, we would build good habits. So Sophie and I played lots of yay, you're going to hurry, come to mama games. And yay, you're going to say yes, mom games. When it was happy and her heart was not in conflict. So we would, I'd say, okay, so go stand over there and we're going to play a game. Well, she loved games and she loved to beat everyone at games. Still loves to beat everybody at games. And she's over here. And I would say, okay, now I've got my timer on and I'm going to say, Sophie, come here. And this is what you have to do. You have to say, Yes, mom, and you run. Okay, but, but don't do it until I say, okay? So she's like getting all psyched up, you know, she's gonna do this great thing. And I would time her. Oh, you did that in five seconds. You're amazing. Oh my goodness. I was making her actions have right emotions. Does that make sense? Um, and we would do that over and over and over again so that when the time came for me to say, hey, Soph, come here. 
her, minds, her mind and her emotions were saying, oh yeah, that's a fun thing. It's okay if it's fun when they're tiny. It's a good thing, right? So her emotions lined up with that action and she did then the right thing. And she would be so excited. And I would remind her too. I'd be like, okay, Sophie, remember? Okay, Sophie, come here. So I'd remind her, okay, we're doing this good thing, this right thing. Sophie, to this day, <laughs> I love this about my strong-willed girl, you cannot change her mind when she has decided what is right. It does no matter. All hell and high water can come against that child, and she'd be like, mm, mm Yes? I love that about my Sophia. You just wind her up and you point her in the right direction, right? And that, that's what you do with those kind of kids. <laughs> you point them in that right direction. And now, this is what I saw this last week. She is 12. She had a a friend over who does not know Jesus. And I had gone, they were upstairs in her room, and I'd gone upstairs to give something to Sophie, and I was in the hallway, and I stopped because I hear this. Oh, you need to know who Jesus is. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus loves you with all of his heart. You need to become a Christian because this is the only way. You are made right with God. I have a Bible for you. I'm going to give you one of my... This is what I'm hearing from my 12-year-old who cannot be told, be afraid to tell people about Jesus. She's like, hey, nothing. You see, but you work with their emotions when they're little. That lines up their actions, and man, they cannot be stopped. So don't despair if you have a strong-willed kid. Just keep pointing them in the right direction. Deal with their emotions. It's okay. Another thing we did when she was tiny was we worked on one thing at a time. That was hard for me because that child had 50 things that were blaring <laughs> at me all the time. And there were days that I was very embarrassed by her. <laughs> and people would look at her and be like, your child's having a bad day, which is code for your kid's a brat, <laughs> right? I mean, they do that. Yes, parents are mean too, not just kids in school. <laughs> but I was able to give myself grace and my little girl grace by these words. Oh, we're not working on that right now. Use that. Give your kid the grace to fail in an area that you're not working on. God does that with us all the time. He does. He's faithful. He will keep teaching us. But he does not unload the entire Bible on us when we first get saved and say, shape up. He doesn't do that. So when those strong-willed kids, don't do that with them either. We did have to study Sophie. They do take more work when they're little. We studied her, though, and we tried to figure out what made her tick. That's a very good thing to do. Study your kid. Figure out what makes them tick. Sophie is very, very, very uh, goal-driven and very um, competitive. So those are two things about Sophie. We figured that out with her. Um, and and, and we, uh, we worked through that with her, and, and it, was, it, was, it was good. It's, it's a good thing it's a good thing to do with your kids. It takes time, so just step back. Step back for just a second and um, do that. I think I've skipped a couple, um, and I want to go back just for a second. There's two other things that we did with Sophie because she is goal-driven and because she is very um, competitive. I used a star chart with her. So every time she did something right, star, because she needed to see her own progress, right? So that was really positive for her. She wanted stars on her chart. That was really great. So at the end of the day, she could show Daddy, I got six stars. She may not have said she had seven taken away and then six put back, but she was really excited about those six stars. She was really excited about that. I also developed a chore chart for Sophie because um, she had to be kept busy, very busy, doing the right thing. Because if she was not kept very busy doing the right thing, she was very quickly very busy doing the wrong thing. I don't know how many times I had to scrub permanent marker off my wall. Oh, lots. But um, that was important. Everything mattered to Sophie. So she just needed her emotions to fall in line with her actions. And our emotions need to be under control. And they even do with a little child. So be careful. All right. What do we do? 
we have older kids. Some of you might be on the verge of having older kids, or you may have older kids right now. Um, when your children are little, they need boundaries. They do. They have no grid work, so you have to help them formulate that grid work, right? Um, and that does take a lot of work. But as your kids get older, parenting needs to look a little different. Um, it should always have the same intent, which is to lead them to know and love and follow Jesus. But we need to help our kids take ownership of being responsible for their own lives. Uh, we need to teach them, teach them how to daily implement God's foundational truths into their lives and then um, allow that to become a necessary part of their lifestyle, which will change the outcome of that goal. So give ownership to your kids. My parents sat down with me, mm, I don't know if I was 12, 13, 14, something like that, and they asked me to write a list of guidelines or things that I felt like were very, very important to me. Um, and to my spiritual growth. And then they said, at this point, we're going to back you up. We'll be accountable with you. We'll be your accountability partners. But you're the one who's going to decide what you need to do in life. What matters? What is spiritually important to you? Well, I thought that was way cool since I had all this power now, right? And so I wrote down a list of things. I thought, man, this is so important. This is so important. It's so great. My parents were like, awesome. And then I thought, oh, what did I just do? Because then I realized I have to now make sure I am following what I say is important. How foolish would I look if I wrote these things down? I was like, eh, not today. It doesn't work that way. I, I, wanted, I wanted then to, to follow the things that I thought were important and valuable. It also is very important for kids as they get older, young teens, those preteens and teenagers, to be able to say, when their friends come to them and say, well, why do you do that? Or why can't you do that? It is very important for them to not say, my parents make me do whatever. Because as soon as they're out of the house, that my parents make me becomes, I don't care. But if they can stand up in front of their peers, 13, 14 years old, and say, oh, that's what I believe try changing it. That's when their peers will look at them and say, ooh, that must be really important. And then it cements into their life and it becomes even more a necessary part of their lifestyle, which changes the outcome of the goal. So it gave me power as a girl to lay aside sins in my own life, say, I have responsibility. Like scripture says, to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race with perseverance, the race that God has set before us. I was able to do that for myself. My parents taught me that when I was little. They emulated it for me. But then they gave me the responsibility of carrying that out for myself. They would back me up. Hey, I see where you're doing that really great. That's awesome. Hey, do you remember what you said about that? What are you doing about that? That was a powerful thing because it became what God was saying to me, not just what my parents were saying. So my race looked a little different at times than my parents. Your kid's race might look a little different than you guys at times, but foundational truth should never, ever change. So give ownership to your kids. Two, be approachable. This is something my parents did for me that was super, super powerful. They told me, you can come to me, it doesn't matter what, and you can talk to me about it. Because they, they were a safe place for me. And we, Gabe and I, were that for our kids. We're a safe place from them, for them. From the time they're tiny, they can come and say anything. Because, you guys, secrets are so devastating our kids to have to carry alone. Um, and Satan will always monopolize on secrets. Always. So be approachable. <laughs> our kids have come to us with some difficult things in our lives. Things that have been hard for us to hear. <laughs> but they were able to share them because from the time they were little, 
they knew mom and dad will never reject us. We may reject that sin. Most probably, yes. That sin was not something that we would want to continue in their life. But they, as a person, were never, ever rejected. If you guys haven't made it a priority to tell your little kids even, come to me no matter what. We have no secrets here. Come talk to mom. Come talk to dad. It doesn't matter what is going on in your little head. My kids have come to me with things they think were this way, but we've talked it out. Oh, they have the freedom to do that. That takes a lot of time. And you think little kids take a lot of time. The bigger they get, <laughs> the more time they take. The more time they take, but the more important it is to take that time with them. So be willing to be approachable. Three, this one is, I want you to listen real close to it because it's, 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 it's very small change. Be willing to walk through hard things with your kids, but not for your kids. Does that make sense? Don't walk. I think I, oh, no, it turned back on. Be willing to always walk through hard things with your kids. And as they get older, and even younger, in this day and age, they're walking through some really crazy hard things. Be willing to walk through hard things. They're going to fail. I do not have any perfect children. I was not a perfect child. I've never met one. I've been in children's ministry for 32 years, never met one. There is no such thing as a perfect kid. But be willing to, when they sin, when they fail, when they do something wrong, walk through with them. Don't let them walk alone. Ah, made your mess, clean it up. Walk through with them. But don't take the pain away from them. Don't, don't, don't do it for them. In our culture, I don't know if you guys have felt this, but I feel it often. Their parents are pressured massively to remove anything hard from their children's lives so that they won't have to encounter anything difficult. You guys felt that? I mean, my word. Some of it's getting ridiculous, <laughs> actually. I think, oh my goodness, let them be children. But their parents, it's just, oh, don't let them get hurt. Oh, no, don't, don't let them harm. Oh, no, don't, don't. Oh, pick them up from the, oh, oh, I'll fix this. All the time, our world says you have to do that or you're a terrible parent. Mm. When do we as adults most learn things? When it's easy and someone's circling us and picking up all our messes? Or when it's hard? For me, maybe I'm just stubborn. But for me, it's when it's hard. I have learned more about my Savior when life was hard. Way more than when life was easy. So let your kids learn about your Savior about their Savior. We need to get on the same page with God. You know, I talked about in the beginning about Gabe and I being on the same page instead of being that parent. No, 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 don't, don't say it that way. <laughs> I think we do that with our children and God as well, especially as they get older. We want to protect our kids from the pain that God may cause our kids. Don't, don't, don't do that. Walk through hard times with your kids. But don't walk through for your kids. Don't do that. Don't take away all those things. Because often our, God, our good intentions of keeping pain from them and harm, not harm, just pain. God never harms his kids, but he does give pain because that's how he gets our attention. But trying to protect them from the pain that God would use to train them in their lives often does more harm than the pain would have done in the very beginning. So be careful. Walk through hard things with your kids, but don't walk for your kids. Allow God to train them and teach them as well. That is really hard to do. I know because I'm a parent now with adult kids, and sometimes Gabe and I have to stand back and say, God, you need to talk to them. Teach them about yourself. They're going through something hard. They come back to you and they're like, we're broken about this. This is such a mess. I know. 
Let's walk through it together. Don't take away the pain, but be with them during that process. This is totally not an exhaustive list of things we could have talked about tonight, but I hope that you guys can sift through some of this avalanche and, and, and say, God, I want to take one thing that, that you want to teach me in my own personal life. And then, God, would you teach something in my, with my wife or my husband as a, as a parent? Would you teach us something about ourselves and what we can do? And then, God, can you show me one thing that we can implement in the teaching and training of our kids? It's hard. I think I've said that a few times tonight. It is hard. Parenting is not easy. But it's worth the struggle. It's worth the struggle. Because God says, in Scripture, I think it's in 3 John. I don't remember the verse. But it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And guys, that is an awesome thing to be able to say. But it does take the work. We are going to go back into a discussion time now. There's three more questions that you guys can go over. And then at the end, my husband is actually going to come up and pray a prayer of blessing and challenge and encouragement over all of us tonight. So go ahead. We've got about 15 or 10-something minutes. Five. <laughs> oh, I went over. So I did it. <laughs> you got five minutes, all right? So talk quick, and then Gabe will come up and pray. <laughs> Ellen now knows what it's like to teach longer than you had planned and then all of a sudden go, wait, we don't have 15 minutes for discussion? Sorry. Welcome to my world every time. Uh, thank you, Ellen. Um, how many of you had at least one of those uh, continuity threads that stuck out to you going, yeah, I need to, I need to work on that a little bit um, that popped out to you? That compassionate and careful, that was bottom two. You know, I, I do okay on the first two. <laughs> it's the compassionate and careful one. Um, that, that story about Sophia encouraged me and helped me and Gabby think through some of those things. But the idea that when, when the times are good during the positive times of liter it's almost a little bit of Pavlov's dogs training is kind of what it is. Yeah. And so it's when, when we're in this positive mindset, it's like, I'm going to train her to respond to Sophie, come to mama. And then all of a sudden you get in this difficult position and the, the, the temper is starting or the attitude is starting to come up and all of a sudden you go, wait, pause. And then you ring the bell. And all of a sudden they go, wait, I know what to do there. I know how to run to mom first. And that's, that's helpful. I hope that was encouraging uh, to you. It was to me as well. Again, that compassionate piece, seeing past their sin and looking at them as God looks at me, that's, that's good. That's encouraging. Um, need, need that one as well. Um, next week uh, will be our last or be our last evening. Um, Alyssa and I are going to be co-teaching on navigating gender and sexuality. I'm excited about uh, walking through some of those things. Um, a couple of you have utilized the questions uh, text number. Um, I encourage you to do that, especially maybe in anticipation of next week. I know there are a lot of questions that will probably come for that one. So if you have a question that you're anticipating or hoping that we maybe touch on, um, again, utilize that number. Thanks, Josh. Um, McKinsey's on the computer tonight. Oh, you switched. Oh, it is Josh. All right. Um, utilize that if that's helpful for you. Um, it doesn't mean we have all the answers, but if we can help maybe address some of those things, maybe think through some of those things, we'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll do our best. Um, Gabe, why don't you come up and uh, send us out tonight in prayer. Um, we are now. As I was sitting here listening tonight, um, a phrase um, came to my mind um, when Ellen said there's no, no system or whatever, but spiritual jujitsu. That's what you're doing with your kids. When we pray, you're doing spiritual jujitsu. You're fighting on behalf of your kids. You're fighting for yourself, guys, and, and we need to learn to do it well. We don't want to be the ones with our back on the mat all the time. And we have a lot. I mean, we've spent years on tears um, 
and the reason I say that too is, forgive me, many times you'll see me, I did this morning praying with somebody. I don't know if I will, but prayer brings me to tears. Because we have a holy and a righteous God who loves us so much and redeemed us while we were still his enemies. And I'm ever grateful for that. Let me pray over us. My precious Lord Jesus, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us, that you would give all of us, your servants, the strength to stand firm all of our lives as we wait on you and we look to you. I ask that you would remind my brothers and sisters every single day that you will never, never, never leave them or forsake them. Train and fill them so they'll be strong and courageous to lead and protect those that you give into their care. Do not let the scriptures depart from their minds or their speech so that they will live obediently and they will be effective in the tasks that you have given them. Precious Jesus, prepare them to fight for their children, for their family, both in the armor which you have provided them and with every edge weapon, faith, purity, hope, peace, prayer, praise, thanksgiving, and truth with which you are arming them. Teach them to seek your face and to hear even your smallest whisper. As your children, you must learn to hear and obey you. Pray that you would raise up my brothers and sisters, us as well, as warrior shepherds and not as sheep. And the task is urgent, and the task cannot be laid aside, no matter the hardness of it. For you have commanded them and all of us, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, but be strong and very courageous, for you are with them and wherever they go. And Lord Jesus, bless and keep my brothers and sisters here. Break any heritage, sins, and bonds. Prevent distractions, deception, and discouragement. Help them to build a godly heritage. Lord Jesus, be with your people. We love you. Amen.